Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. the episode today. David and I are going inside the episode titled, We Live in Truth. Mm. And the truth is, this is going to be a hard hitter, so buckle up. What do you think of that? I think it's your show, man. It's let's my show. It. Well, let's be honest. It's our show. Welcome to the Successful Mind Podcast. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're, you're controlling the direction, so... That's true. I can cut this, I'm, and I make you look good. I promise that. Mm-hmm. All right, so from the beginning of this episode, you introduced us to someone that I've personally never heard you mention before on this podcast. And that was a gentleman by the name of Sterling Sill. And you were teaching from an unpublished manuscript of his, which, you know, we can talk a little bit about how you got your hands on this manuscript. Uh, But what about his work and also the work of Dr. Thurman Fleet that we're all aware of with your use of the stick man Mm. lends itself to an episode on truth. So uh, Sterling Sill, if, and I, and I, I'm trying to remember this exactly as it happened. Somewhere along the line, after I met Proctor, I heard him either mention Sill or talk about a book that he had written or something. And and I got my hands on an original copy of The Laws of Success, <clears throat> which Sterling Sill wrote. And it's a it's a good book. Like it's it's there's a lot of good in there, right? There's a lot of good in there. He comes from the LDS community. Um, and, uh, he did a lot of work there, uh, and, you know, he's, he's taught a lot of really good stuff. So Bob was, was very well known in the LDS, LDS community, especially back in the day, because he did so much work with network, network marketing companies. Anyway, <clears throat> when I was with Bob, he, he got a Sterling Sill sent him an unpublished manuscript of a continuation of the laws of success. And Bob gave me a copy of that manuscript. And of course it's it's grammatically incorrect and there's all kinds of spelling errors or whatever and it's typed out and, and all of this. And I don't think it was actually ever published to be honest with you, but there was a lot of great stuff in there that he had never actually published. And in some ways it was better than the original book that he wrote. So on occasion over the years uh, when it's been appropriate, and uh, I've brought that manuscript in and taught some things from it um, because there's, there's some really cool stuff in there. But I've never met Sill. Um, I don't know all that much about him, just that he had some, some really good teaching and, and he was uh, a pretty upstanding teacher in the community from what I understand. Yeah, and he's the kind of person that you wouldn't know much about. Same with Dr. Thurman Fleet. I mean, these guys who you pull some of the information you did for this particular podcast, they do lend themselves to truth, especially Thurman Fleet and his use of of the stick person. Can you talk a little bit about that and how it relates to maybe truth in yeah. general? Well, so Thurman Fleet was a chiropractor. Which I think is always so interesting yeah. to me. I don't expect you to say chiropractor. Yeah, he was a chiropractor. And, and so he created the stick person in 1934. But he wasn't just a chiropractor. He was very, he was very much involved in the healing arts. And he was very much involved in the universal laws and the universal principles and how all of that related to the human body and health and that type of thing. And he, he created the stick person, from my understanding, because he was trying to teach his students about the mind and how the mind worked. 
And of course, he taught the mind from the universal principle of the mind, meaning that the mind is everywhere. It's in all places at the same time. And as far as the human body, it's in every cell of the body. And it's, uh, um, you know, it, all the knowledge is in the mind. However, within the human being, the mind is broken down into different intricate parts um, that work very differently. And most people don't understand how they work. But every time he would talk about the mind, the only thing that the students could picture in their mind was the brain. So he was like, I need to get them a different image of this so they can understand the conscious, the subconscious, how it interacts with the body, you know, on and on and on. And that's when he created the stick person. And I remember the first time I saw Proctor teach with the stick person, I was actually, I actually took a step back because I was like, what is it that we're, that we're actually learning here? It seems oversimplistic. However, the, the information within that diagram, what you can do with that diagram can get so complicated, you need something that's oversimplistic so the average person can understand how it's actually working in a way that they can do something with it. You know, obviously, it's not the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, and the body. I mean, that's not how our brain works. But it works in a way to understand how it's actually functioning as far as flow of information and what each part actually does. What are the laws of each individual part? So there is a lot of information. I think the, I think he wrote a book called The Rays of the Dawn. Uh, Fleet did, and I think it was the only book that was actually published outside of his school in San Antonio. So there are, there are a bunch of manuals um, that, are, that are really great information that the public doesn't have access to because you didn't go to the school. You've had to have gone to the school and be a doctor of chiropractic to actually get those manuals. I was able to collect them over the years in various different ways, but they're not part of, uh, I mean, you won't find them in a library. You're not going to find them on Amazon or any, anything like that. Occasionally someone will sell one or two on eBay or something. Um, but all of his philosophy was in those. And that's how he was teaching people kind of like a, a higher consciousness education for, for healing the body. You know, how do we stay in the right vibration thinking, you know, that type of stuff. And some of it got outdated over the years as they learned more, but a lot of it is extremely, uh, extremely relevant. It's just that the average individual can't get it. You know, it's you, you had to be a, a chiropractor and actually go to the school in San Antonio to get it. Sure. I wonder how much of the current chiropractic world still uses some of his concept therapy and his... Well, the school's still his, open. Oh, it is? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm, yeah. I'm curious if next time I'm in to see my chiropractor, I'm going to ask him a little bit about Dr. Thurman Fleet because I forget that he was in chiropractic. And just doing a simple search online will yield many different results and many different stories yes. about this gentleman. I think it's really cool. It's someone... And another reason that, you know, to listen into this show because you always have these... I don't want to call them obscure because they're big deals. Like Dr. Thurman Fleet was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Aurelius is clearly a big deal from the previous episode. Yeah. You know, you, but I wouldn't normally go and do a Google search on these kind of people. Right. But when you do, you realize that, you know, their understanding of the subconscious mind and how they brought that into healing therapy and to teach it to all these students who then taught it to other people. It's basically just gives you affirmation that you can learn from anywhere and anyone. Yet I, you know, the thing, the thing with, with Fleet 
is that, you know, he had his own deal within chiropractic. And I think when you talk to anybody who's a chiropractor, it's, you know, what is the, what is the generational person that you learned from? Yeah, Did it come sure. from Palmer or who, sure. whoever it was? But Fleet was also involved in trying to learn more about human consciousness, right? Just as a study, and he offered that study to chiropractors so that they could have more of a, a knowledge about, you know, human consciousness. So it wasn't just about healing someone. And my understanding is that he really believed so much of the healing and the health of the human body had to do with consciousness. An unconscious person that's full of all kinds of problems is obviously going to have more issues with their body versus somebody that's actually conscious. So that's why he brought a lot of that teaching in and tried to to not only understand it, but teach it to his students. Yeah, I'm looking at a page right now that just says that in 1931, he had an illuminating experience that allowed him to bring to the world a phenomenal chiropractic technique, but it doesn't say what it is. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to have to do a little bit more dive into what this is all about. But I think it was really cool because for the episode, you clearly brought in both Sterling Sills and Dr. Fleet's work into understanding a little bit more about why it's important to live in truth. Right. And in the episode, you did say accurate thinking takes time, dedication, and is not something that happens overnight, which clearly we've, we, we should know that by now. Um, you presented us with that along with a simple yet profound statement. And it said, if you take your age on this planet, that is how many years of programming you currently have. Right. And when I started to think about it, I'm like, holy shit, he's not, he's 100% accurate right there. Mm -hmm. Like if you are 35 years old, you've got all those years of programming. You can't just flip a switch and expect it to change overnight. Exactly. So with that in mind, the older we get, the more when things go unchecked, get progressively worse. So how do we get out of that state of programming and more into accurate thinking that you talk about in this episode? So with the statement that you made about if you take your age and realize that's how many years you've been programmed, I want people to really think about this. So you have the initial belief, okay? But then what you have is all the experience with that belief. So let's say that you... you you, you actually have a false belief, but you've been living as if it's true. And you have just years and years of experience that verify that it's true. But it's actually not true. But because a bunch of people believe it's true, everybody lives as, as if it's true. And uh, they, they manage around it or whatever. This is why it takes time, why you have to be patient. Because not only do you have to learn something new, but then you have to test it. You know, I don't ever tell anybody, hey, just believe me and take my word for it. Like, take the information and test it yourself. You know, you, you will either believe it or you won't, you won't believe it, but you have to give it a fair, a fair test in your life to really see if, if what I'm talking about is accurate. Now, I believe it's very accurate, but I also understand what I went through when I did this. And I would hear something new and I would go, holy shit. That makes a whole lot of sense. But then my mind would go, yeah, David, but what about this and this and this and this and all these different things that came up? How does it work with this? And how does it work with that? And what about when something that happens like this? And, and we experience that when we start learning. So there's an effort. you got to put, yeah. put forth an effort. And here's what it really comes down to. A person has got to want to know the truth. They have to want to change. If you don't want to, you're not going to do the work that's required to actually set yourself free from an awareness perspective 
uh, in this lifetime. You just won't do it. Well, let's be honest. It's not for everybody. I mean, there's <laughs> every the, to be to be completely frank. I mean, there's people out there that just don't want to change. No, They're not they the don't. ones listening here because they probably do want to make a change. But there's people out there that are content with living their life from A to Z and just being the way they're being without making any sort of effort. The older you are, the more you have to actually physically change in your life when you start to learn about this. Because what ends up happening is you start to realize how much of your life is possibly based on a false belief. And you cannot continue in that direction once you start to learn the truth. So a person will, will, they will start to wake up to this and they'll realize that they're in the wrong relationships. And so many of the relationships that they have in their life, they have because they think they have to have them um, or they think they owe the person something or, you know, it's just a, you're being a good person by having them. And actually they're toxic and they're finding out that they're toxic, but it's like, well, now what the hell do I do, right? And then the idea of I have to get rid of those relationships and change those relationships, that's not a comfortable thing to think about and to actually go out and do, you know, like, okay, I'm going to get rid of these toxic people in my life and then I need to go out and find healthy people. That means I have to stand up and do something here. So each opportunity presents an option. You either move forward or you move backward, right? So that's why I say you have to really want to do it. And many people don't. They're like, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to get rid of uh, those friends in my life. So what if they steal from me and they're, um, you know, they're, they're beat, they beat their wife or they're robbing people or they beat their kids or they're, you know, they're alcoholics. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, they're good people. Right. And people have that view yeah. and they're not going to, they're not going to change it. And it's like, okay, forget even for a second about what those people are doing that you just mentioned. How is that affecting your life? Because it's not causing you to grow. I can guarantee it that it's not causing you to grow. You have to want something more in your life, which means you have to acknowledge that there's something in you that does desire something different. And that's when the battle happens that you, you either you conquer that battle and you say, I'm going to do it. Or you're like, nope, I'm not. And then you go about your life the way it was. Yeah. Just having the thought of cutting people out of your life to better yourself is uncomfortable, but actually going out and doing it is a whole other beast, it's a whole other... but it's necessary for a lot of people to be able to get out and see as an observer from the outside, what is truly going on and what you were destined to be had you not made changes. Right. I'll use myself as an example. You know, I started making significant changes in my life and how I observed it in my mid-30s. Had I gone another 10 years, another 20 years, who knows if I ever would have got to that place where I would have even entertained the idea of making changes. I'm not saying that people who are listening to this that are older and they're like, well, I'm here to make a change and I'm just starting out. That's great. But for me and knowing my program and how steeped I was in certain areas, yeah. I'm so <laughs> grateful that I had it when I was in my mid thirties, I'm grateful that my kids got it basically from age 10. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's nice to see the varying degrees with which we've been able to get it because I guarantee you, I would have been that get off my lawn, crankety old coot in the neighborhood, just yelling at everybody and being miserable. That's I what I was I don't know if I ever for. told you this story before, but when I was first, when I, in the seven year period that I was studying, um, it became, it became obvious to some of my friends that things were changing for my life and changing for the better. And one of my friends came up to me and, and he said to me, what are you doing? He's like, I want, 
I want to get the results that you're getting. What are you doing? So I was talking to him about what I was studying and reading, and, and I was trying to explain what I was doing, but it was difficult to explain at that point. I, I didn't so much know that I understood what I was doing. But I said, well, if you're really interested, I'll get you, I'll buy you some copies of the books that I'm reading that are helping me with this, and I'll give them to you. And he was like, please, please do. Like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, please do. So I did. I went out and I bought copies of like four or five books that I had been reading that I thought would make the biggest difference for him. Next thing I know, his wife comes to my house with a bag that has those books in them. And she hands them to me and she says, he's a truck driver. He'll always be a truck driver. Don't you ever bring this shit into my house again because he's never going to be anything other than he is and how dare you even suggest that he could. And that was the last time I saw either one of them. Wow. That, that makes me really sad and really sick at the same time to think that this is the person that should have your back and love you the most, but is basically saying you're going to be this for the rest of your life. Yeah. And he probably made that choice for her because he didn't expect to be able to get anybody better. Wow. Never saw him again. Man. Never saw you or one of them again. Yeah. And what was interesting was that he didn't come over. Right. She came over with the books. So I don't know what happened between them. I have no idea, but I never, I never saw him again. And I had many experiences that were somewhat similar sure. to that with various different people. And it was, it was very interesting. I did not know how threatening that information could be to some individuals and the way that they were choosing to live their life. They wanted nothing to do with the truth. Well, growth in general, too, is just threatening for a lot of people. Like, even when we were first starting out, I remember, you know, our family thought we were involved in some sort of a weird cult that caused us to leave our jobs and to, you know, do these crazy things. And, oh, my God, did you make sure you save your position at your teaching place because you can go back there right. at that school and all this nonsense. And now over time it's faded, but they wouldn't even come to us to talk to about it. They would circumvent us and go to other people who knew what we were doing uh, to get those information. But it, it really is fascinating when you start to think like how threatening growth is for a lot of people. Yeah. And really it's just, we're truth seekers. We just want to get the most out. We get one shot, right? At yeah. this life. We just want to get the most out of it. And that's where coming a in, you know, the best thing that ever happened was Steph came into contact with you and she introduced your teachings to me and then we spread it out to other people. And it's, it's really, really powerful, but man, how different life would be if you just shut down growth entirely. Right. You know, and, and I used to be under the guise that if you just got to a certain level, it was just gravy from there. But the truth is, is growth is a moving target. We're never going to get fully there because you've got two choices. You're either growing or you're dying. So you're always moving forward. And I think that's, when I think of we live in truth, I, I'm proud of the fact that, you know, we get to talk about the truth as our job mm -hmm. and get people to understand that this works for us and it may work for you, but I'll tell you what, the results are amazing if you if you buy into what that truth really is. There's no, there's no question cool. about it. I love it. Well, in this episode, you talked about focus, which I want to hit on here, um, and how important it is to focus on a thing without being distracted by outside influences. And it's avoiding being reactive and being more proactive when things pop up. What are some ways that you've learned over the years to maintain your focus, even amidst all the the noise and the changes and the constant adaptations that go on in the world? So this is a really interesting question. And 
um, I still deal with this from a couple of different perspectives. So let, let me let me tell you, when I was when I was studying and when I started to study with Proctor, and he was teaching uh, the faculties of the intellect, um, the will basically, which is focus, is one of those faculties. And he would tell people that you can strengthen it. And one of the ways to strengthen it would be to take an object like a flame on a candle or draw a dot on the wall or any object in a room and you just sit in a chair and you focus on that object. And as you see your mind start to drift away, you bring your attention back to it. And to do this on a regular basis, like if you were exercising your body, you know, the longer you do it, the stronger you're going to get to it. You're going to get, you're going to get at it. So when I was a kid, um, I had a terrible time. I probably am what a person would consider ADD when I was a kid. I could not get myself to focus on my schoolwork. I couldn't get myself to make myself do it. I was so disinterested in it. Even when I would read the book, my eyes would follow the words, the sentences, the paragraphs, but I wouldn't retain anything. You know, it was it was really weird. But I did have a couple of things that... I really enjoyed, and I had, not only did I have any problem focusing on it, I didn't have any problem retaining it, right? So I was really good at science all the time that I was in school. And when I, the thing that I recognized was that when I started to study this, I had no problem focusing on it at all. I could read for hours. I could listen to tapes for hours, and I could retain so much information and was so interested in, you know, digging down deep and finding other stuff. Like it, it was, I became fully aware I had no, no problem focusing. I had a problem focusing on something that I absolutely did not like to do. So for me, what I learned along the way was that the things that, that are part of who I am, the makeup of who I am, and what I'm supposed to do in this world... I really don't have any trouble focusing on one bit. But if I'm doing something that I really shouldn't be doing, I almost can't make myself do it. I can a little easier today than I did when I was younger, but it's still a real chore to be able to do that. So as I was learning this, I was wonder, I was thinking to myself, like, is this really an issue with people from the aspect of that it's an undeveloped part of their excuse me, of their mind, so to speak? Or is it that when we are doing the thing that we were put here to do, when we are really in love with what it is that whatever we're doing, that that focus is, it's just there. Like you, you have the ability to do it. And probably everybody that I've ever met since I started becoming aware of that, it's the same thing. When they're, when they're doing the thing that they love, there's no problem focusing. It's when they're doing the thing that they really have no interest in, which is not going to do anything for them anyway. They just can't focus. It, it, it's. But what does life? What does life in school teach us? We have to focus on all these things that really don't make all that much of a difference in our life to begin with. So I think that you probably can strengthen f- focus from a willpower perspective and make it stronger and stronger and stronger. My challenge with it is that if we naturally have the ability to focus on the things that are really for who we are as a person and what our purpose is, there isn't, there isn't much credence in spending that much time focusing on something that is not going to make a difference in your life. Find out what you love, focus on that, 
the other things that you that even if you focus on, you're gonna hate doing them, or it's gonna you're gonna have trouble retaining it. Find somebody else to do that stuff and just get on with it. I can only imagine that focus is waning in some of our younger generations. And maybe this is an excuse, but I see, you know, three-year-olds or four-year-olds when you go out to a restaurant and they've got mom's phone and they're watching television. Or you, I talk to my daughters who are, you know, in their, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. And even they'll say, I've got such a short attention span. I can't sit through a whole movie. I'm assuming that that, is that a bullshit lie I'm making up or is that probably scientific that kids are just nowadays just aren't into sitting for long periods of time like we used to be? I, so this is a really great question. And I think that there's probably scientific evidence. You know, here's the thing. Anytime that we start looking scientifically, we're going to find the evidence of whatever it is that we want. Sure. But there's, I don't think that there's any question that the way that we live today tends to add to a less amount of focus because there's so much distraction and so much constantly changing from one thing to another. Even when you and I were kids, you were doing things that you were doing for longer periods of time instead of bouncing from this to this to this to this. I have noticed that just about everybody that says that they have a difficult time focusing, there are certain things that they don't have a difficult time focusing on. So the question is, why is that, right? Why is it? Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to make any claims around that idea. Um, I do know that, that they're always looking at the brain and how technology and videos and games and all this stuff affects, uh, affects the brain. I just think that it's, it is definitely worth a shot, even with your kids. If your kids have trouble focusing on things, see if you can find something that they're really interested in and just see how, how easy it is for them to focus and retain that information versus something that they don't like. Because my guess is, is that constantly putting our kids in front of things that they don't like and then saying that they have a difficult time focusing and then either drugging them or whatever it is that we're doing today is to try to get people to focus is not the answer. You know, I don't see that as the answer at all, because I guarantee you that if I was if I had been born in today's world, like right now, they would have totally said that I was ADD or something. Sure. And I have no problem focusing or retaining information right. like I probably even have what's close to a photographic memory yes. with a lot of things. So it wouldn't, you know, what would they have done with me? Would they have drugged me, put me on, yeah. you know, Ritalin or Most Adderall likely. or whatever, you know. And that would have sh- probably would have shut down that side of you and it, you wouldn't have had what you have today. Exactly. That photographic exactly. memory. So I have a real challenge with it. Yeah. I, I really do. I think that there's other ways to go about this. Well, and, and as it pertains to business, you know, if you're doing something, if you're having to fight yourself to do something, chances are you shouldn't be doing it. Right. And there's someone out there who actually you could hire to do that thing because that's what they love to do. Exactly. So it's a matter of finding out within yourself if you're resisting something chances are you shouldn't be doing it find something else to do it for you I agree yeah and then like you that, that's why I brought up the fact that is this just a bullshit story I'm telling myself because I do probably realize that we have a lot more content at our disposal and we can be like squirrel looking around yeah. the room but if there's something I'm really into I'm laser focused and you lose time. You lose hours of time, right? So there's something to be said about that. And I think that's, it's just an interesting conversation. There's a lot to be said about that. Yeah. I always like to go back to this idea. What were we, what were we created to be? Okay. Forget about 
the science and the medicine and, and what all of that's telling us about who we are in the moment. Nature doesn't have an ability to focus on what it needs to focus on. Uh, we're no different than nature. We were created to do something. I just see too much evidence that there's a connection between what we love to do, our purpose, and our ability to connect with that information when we're exposed to it. When we're forced to do things that we don't like, some people can do it easily. Other people just can't. Find out what you love and do that. It's leading you somewhere positive. I guarantee you that it is. Yeah, it's funny. My daughter's an art student, and she's in her almost finishing up her second year, and she's done nothing but English and science and math. Yeah. She just wants to draw. Like yeah, she just wants right. to illustrate. Right. And she's finally getting through these generals. And I get it. It's important. It's really teaching you you got to be able to hit a deadline. That's what it's teaching you. But the 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 message it sends is let's get you through all this bullshit first and see if you can make your way through it, and then we'll know you're serious. It's just it's fascinating to me. And I always say, you know, you gotta play the game. Unfortunately, you gotta play the game. It's what you have to do. Just if she wants what she wants to get out of that institution, right. she has yes. to play the game. True. Let's be clear about it's that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Let's be clear about that. Because here's the sad part about what you're saying. There are geniuses out there that cannot make it through through structured university. Right. You know, you look at a Steve Jobs, right? right. Look at uh, Bill Gates. There's so many people that got into the institution. They're like, fuck this. I, wow. This is not for me. And they went out on their own and they had the, the knowledge or whatever in order to be able to do it without the institutional learning. Institutional learning is okay for some people, but it's not for everyone. And if you're having a hard time with it, get the fuck out and get on with what it is that you're supposed to do. Yeah. And, and coming from a family like my my wife and I, who were both teachers, Steph and I were both teachers. You're recovering teachers. We're recovering yeah. teachers. So we no longer say, you know, I'm not invested in my kids having to finish it out. I say, if you don't like it, quit. Right. Go do something else. Right. Like, I'm no longer. But before, the 10, 10 years ago, me would have said, nope, I went to college. Your mom went to college. You're going to go to college. Right. And what you're doing is you're imposing your will on them. And it's right. not necessary. I think today, a person has to really look at is there something very specific that I need from going to college that is going to allow me to do this in life? And if not, do I really want to do that or can I do it without it? Because in the world that we live in today, there are so many opportunities to be able to do it without it. I mean, obviously, if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer right. or a physicist, you're not going to be able to do it without it. You're going to have to go through that institutional learning. But there are so many other things where you don't, you know. Yeah. And we don't live in a world where it automatically makes it easier to do it out there anymore. You know, when we were kids, that was part of the deal. Right. And when our parents were kids, that was part of the deal. It's not part it's of the not. deal. It actually makes it worse for them because when they get out, they got a fucking bill that is dragging on them for the, in, the entirety of yes. their life if they can't get their income up. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting how when it all boils down, when it comes down to it, bare bones, it's you know your truth better than anybody else. That's and you've right. got to live in your truth and you've got to do what makes you happy. And if you're doing something that's not making you happy, chances are you are not being put in the direction of your truth. And if you're doing something that's not making you happy, who is it making happy? That's right. Right? You don't owe anything to your parents. You don't owe anything to anybody. You owe something to yourself first. Follow that. Yes. That is the mic drop of all mic drops Boom. right there. Boom. Shaboom. All right. Thanks for coming inside. You bet. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.